guys welcome back to the no holds barred network with another episode of under the ropes i'm your host as always the queen of the indies tiffany i'm so excited we have a legend on our hands for this episode i think it's like my first legend too i feel like it's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> so welcome prime time amy lee how are you good you know the word legend is just saying <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But it's, it's so awesome. So excited to have you here. I'll tell you this, though. A couple of the people that I'm friends with, they were they were so excited. They were like, I popped when you posted that that thumbnail. They're like, I'm so excited. So it's it's so great to have you here on the No Holds oh, Board love Network. For the, love for the latest AARP member. Yay, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Goodness. Well, you know, 52 is the new 25, so I'm on down career since I lost weight the last time, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I love it. I love it here. Um, guys, if you're new here to the No Holds Bar Network with the Under the Rope series here, I interview everything independent wrestling. We uh, interview uh, promoters, wrestlers, referees, background, and in, uh, the independent scene. So I got you covered with independence, <laughs> which is great. Uh, if you guys got questions for Amy, I'm sure she'll be more than happy to answer any of your questions. So it's been uh, it's been crazy. I think like the last like two months, right? Busy for you, which has been yeah, great. People like my oldest. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know why. Everybody loves you. Uh, Dave is already <laughs> in the chat. He goes, hello, Amy Lee. Great interview. Did uh, an interview with Amy Lee in my beginning of my podcast. So awesome. Yeah. So, And she's here. <laughs> she's hanging out with us. Oh, we got Captain David in the chat. He says oh, hi. Yes. Yeah, so I'll see all the love. It's like a JR of Indies. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, it really is. I feel like, you know, I'm over at the H2O building right now and it comes oh, down wow. to it. Like all the people that come hang out in the chat as well. So uh, thank you guys. I appreciate you so much. So, um, <laughs> so you know what? Let's let's break it off. Like I like I had said, you know, like I love to go back to basics with all my interviews. Uh, so I, I want to start off like, you know, how you got into professional wrestling. But I mostly want to talk about your training with Dick Murdoch. Like. Let's let's okay. talk a little bit about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I started out. I have to honestly say I am the first and only person that ever trained under Free Boy Larry Sharp while at his facility, the Monster Factory, when it was the Crime Day of the Crime with Bam Bam Bigelow and the Lords of Darkness and 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 um, Glenn Ruth, who became one of the headbangers. Um, uh, his partner, Dennis Coraluzzo was my sponsor when I used to do um, martial arts tournaments back in the 80s. Um, so um, I kind of had fallen out with my instructor, and um, I was supposed to go over to the world being the only female on the fight team. And um, my instructor decided to pull me from it so he could take his 16-year-old child and with so I was like, you freaking kidding me. Like, you know, I gave up proms. I gave up cheerleading, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was even like, you know, I had the coaches of softball and different um, uh, 
school districts, you know, hitting me up and saying, hey, call me, you got a needle arm and all. And I was like, no, 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 I want to have you know, karate, you know, I got a black belt, blah, blah, blah. Someday I want to have my own dojo, blah, 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 blah. So the guy wound up dicking me over, you know. And then, um, so Carlos was like, I oh, fuck that motherfucker. And he's like, come on, babe. He's like, uh, you're a good looking girl. I got big tits on you and all. He's like, uh, you got personality. He said, well, I'll put you with this guy. He goes, uh, really I'm sure Daniels, but he wrestles as boy bomb bad. Well, I saw, I met Joe, and he looked like he was a real prick. And then when I talked to him, I was like, oh, he's so respectful, so sweet. I was like, you're like night and day. And he's like, oh, here's a word of advice. He goes, nine times out of ten, the, the baby faces are heels in real life, and the heels in real life are the biggest baby faces. And I have to say, um, in my 30-year career, that is very true. So anyway, Carthusa was doing a lot of um, independent shows with Larry and stuff, and Larry would let me work out there because he gave the guys an opportunity to work with a female who had some balls to her. Um, and, you know, I was taking my lumps and bumps and everything like that. And I was learning a lot from those guys like Christy Edge and, like I said, Colin Ruth from the Headbang with Joe Daniel, Sweet Daddy Falco, Chris Candido was down there at the time. So um, I was doing a show with Joe Daniels as his manager. They never booked me as his valet, they booked me as his manager because I would take lumps and bumps. That is the difference. Wrestling 101, valets are just arm candy to walk out and come fuck people and uh, shake their asses and pound on the ring. Whereas managers, we take the lumps and bumps and make it all look good on the other side for the baby faces. We help the heels put the baby faces over. So that's wrestling 101 for everybody back in the 1902 days when I wrestled. And then, um, so it was, Dick Murdoch was on the show. I got to talking to him, and I just kept picking his brain and picking his brain and picking his brain. Because first of all, it's Dick Murdoch, and you know, dirty Dick Murdoch. He was big, big ass Southern heel, you know, down south and stuff like that. And I just kept picking his brain and all. And he says, "You have a thirst for this?" And I said, "Yeah, I pretty much do." I said, "I, I love it because no offense to you, you're not a pretty motherfucker." I was like, "And uh, you're you're fat, you got your belly, you know, you're redneck, you got missing teeth." You're not pretty, and you're making money at it. I was like, I'm a little bit better looking than you, and I got a nice rack, so then I can kick some ass. I was like, so I might have an opportunity. And he was like, well, I'll tell you what, come on down and train with me and my farm and shit like that. Yeah, it sounds awesome. That motherfucker beat my ass from one end of the ring to the other. I was learning how to throw elbows, and I was always used to throwing, you know, hip hard, you know, because of the martial arts tournaments. So... I clocked Dick with a forearm, and I looked at him, and I pulled the old foo-foo, dame thing, like, oops, my bad. Uh-uh. <laughs> Didn't work with that. It's your bed, slammed me to the ground, put me in a full Nelson, and grinded my face from right rear corner of the ring across to the top left corner of the ring, of a 20 by 20 ring. I had a map burn on the side of my face. It looked like somebody lit my face on fire. And he looked at me, and he went, Lesson learned so goddamn quick. (laughs) But he taught me a lot about ring psychology. And he also had noticed that I was very respectful um, in the locker room. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't know much about that. But I did learn from martial arts. You always respect your seniors. Plus, I learned my my foundation in life from my parents, okay? My, my dad was a local man, and my mother was a CCD teacher. And they taught you to respect your police officers, your first responders, teachers, principals, blah, 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 you know, the pecking order, you know? So my, my dad's motto was, your kid, your opinion don't matter. Children should be seen and not heard. So eh, nine times out of ten, my mouth was shut. Shocker, I know. And um, I just did what I was told. So 
when I was in the locker room, I was always respectful to those that I had saw on TV and all because, one, who they are and what they accomplish, and two, they're senior. So, just like in a dojo, the higher rank of the black belts and so on and so on and so on is the pecking order, so you, you give that respect to them. I'm not saying you teach every, you know, treat everybody else like crap because that's not how it, it, it should operate, even though some people with their egos that are bigger than my ass these days um, do that. It's wrong. It's wrong. We, we're all created equal. We just come from different backgrounds. We all got bullet pants and take down sh- take shit. If not, we all stink. Okay, that's my model in my 30-year career. So working with Vicky, it um, opened up a lot of opportunities for me, and it led to me managing um, Kamala. And I remember Kamala and I worked in some shows down south. And um, back then, yes, even in the early 90s, they did not like to see blue-eyed, blonde, fair-skinned white women with uh, African-American men. Um, James was a great guy. Kamala was awesome. I learned a lot from him. He, you know, he's like, I understand you have passion for this and stuff, but you have to remember, as quick as you're in, as quick as you're out. And you, you know, just because you're main event doesn't mean you're going to get top billing. I can tell you that from my own experiences. And I, you know, if you guys look it up or ever heard some of uh, Kamala's tragedies, 100 figures making over 100 grand for a, you know, for a main event, and he's making like 10 grand, you know. Yeah. Um, so I love that that Murak had taught me about, sorry, had taught me about as well as Kamala. And, you know, with with um, Murak, you had Dusty Rhodes. Uh, you know, you had Blackjack Mulligan, you had the Bump Brothers, you know, you had the Wyndham Boys. So you had a lot of talent around you that had respect for him. Guys like Ricky Morton and stuff. You know, and Ricky Morton once said in a shoot tape that he had wrestled Murdoch, but Murdoch was helped building him to get him ready. So when he wrestled Ric Flair for the championship belt, it was believable because back then people pretty much kept kayfabe even in the 90s and stuff. And it wasn't until old Vinnie Mac there himself decided, hey, let's go wrestling over and just reveal everything there is about it. Whatever. I still did it. Um, but I learned a lot from them. I learned psychology, which I don't see a lot of people do. And the, and one thing Murak taught me was there's two kind of matches. There is the sit-down dinner match, and then there is what they call the buffet. Buffet is nine times out of ten what you see on the indies today and even on TV. And that's where everybody gets all their crap in. they got to do 99 spots. And something that uh, old-fashioned, if you remember, Jason Snake Roberts would do his DDT. He would take it home from them. Match was over. That was a finish move. Now guys are doing it the opening spot. They're doing the middle of the match, and they keep going and going and going. So you're really not telling a story. So it's like, like he said, it's a buffet. You, you go up to the buffet. You see mac and cheese. You see ham. You see roast beef. You see this. You see that. You're like, oh, man, throw it all on the plate. Take it back. Eat it. Then when somebody says, hey, describe to me what you ate, uh, what well, I had this and this. Okay, but what it tastes like. You can't describe what it tastes like because you can't digest it properly because you just threw a bunch of shit on a plate and just inhaled it. Just ate. Whereas with a sit-down dinner, you got your nice steak. Your nice cocktail. Nice little dinner. Oh, man, it's juicy. It's kind of like, how does that make it You know, a little rough here. Blah, 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 blah. Do you see the psychology in it? You can describe that match. And that's the thing that people forget about nowadays. you got to be able, your fans got to be able to digest your match. I didn't do jack shit in the ring. If you go back and look at all my matches, if I did seven moves, that was a lot. I didn't do jack shit. But I told a story. I was this big, buxom, blonde, badass bitch. And I just pummeled on people. I threw them around. I cursed. I spit. Cut a promo, whatever. But I made it believable. 
believable. For 30 freaking years, I made it believable. Okay? I, I, honestly, the character I am in the ring is total opposite of me. And it wasn't until, and, and I started in 89, and it wasn't until almost 2000, and I'm going to say three, four, is when I totally brocade, even when I worked the workers and promoters. That's how good psychology I, I had. I had everybody and their mother believing that I was either a mechanic or I was a, some, some mama of some big fat old biker dude. And I was fortunate because at the time, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, looks like a biker dude. Shaved head, white goatee, likes his flannels and his cutoff denims and all. But they thought we were like, you know, from like Hells Angels or the Breed or whatever. We, we were like, well, I don't give a shit. You know, we didn't say we were. So if anybody, you know, any of the boys from the bike club questions were like, yo, they, they assume, you know, that's that word ass before you don't pay. So I was able to, because when I went to shows, I didn't go food, food, uh, and all dolled up or anything, or like in my pajamas, like some of the, some of the people I've seen over the years. I came in a pair of jeans, a pair of biker boots, and a Harley Davidson t-shirt. I dressed my character. When I left the house till the time I returned, I was prime time anyway. That's how I did it, and I did it for 30 years. Scotty Bam Bam Bigelow actually gave me the character of a biker dick because when I first started out in the business. I was wearing glamour clothes and stuff, but I was still plus size. I was still plus size modeling. And he said to me, look, all of these other girls out here are going to put come fuck me clothes on, show their cleavage. Instead of that, why don't you be different? Segregate yourself. This is when you want to segregate. This is when segregation is the only time it's acceptable. Is when you segregate yourself from the rest of the roster. Meaning... Not that you're better than anybody. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you're different. I was always different. Look at me. If you went back to the WSU locker rooms, or you went back to WEW, or you went back and you put me in the roster with a Shimmer or any of those women's groups, I stand out like a turn of punch bowl. And that's what you want. You want to stand out. You want to be different. You don't want to blend in. This is the one time in life you don't want to blend in when you're in that ring. Why? They will remember you. You may not wrestle that great because I, I never claimed to be a, a, a great wrestler. Far more talent out there like, like Cindy Rogers, Mercedes, Brain, Lefisto, especially, especially Lefisto, Vicky Knuckle. All those ladies far better than I ever was. But you know what? I got booked because, one, I was believable in my character, and two, I was different. That's what they needed. They needed different. They needed somebody to shake it up. So when I was working down south under Murdoch's tutelage, he would put me, I never worked curtain jerk. I never was opening match. I was always right before intermission or right after. And Murdoch saw that I could wake a crowd up. So if you had a match and everybody's sitting on their hands because everybody's going ping, 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 whatever, and they're not listening to the crowd, instead they're listening to their egos, then what would happen is he would say, he would say go out there and rev the crowd. So I would come out with some, some scrawny guy and I would cut a promo. He's awesome. And I would look at all the pretty girls and I'd be like, you're so jealous that he won't take you out. He'd rather feed meat ho-hos and Cheetos Doritos and ding-dongs than take your ass out for a glass of champagne. Whatever. And if you're jealous, you're jealous. Whatever. <laughs> I have been called. If I had half a bit of called fat, shit. <laughs> goddamn apple guy you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm serious if i did oh people used to and you have to have 
and this business could tackle you. And they're going to try and get over on you. And, and you know what? That's fine. I didn't care. But, I'm, but when you got vulgar or you made it personal, then I was like, fuck you. It's on. <laughs> so I had one guy, you fat fucking pig. And I looked at him. I go, yeah. I said, really? I guess your mama don't know how to suck dick. And I look oh. and I go, are you as my dad? I go, you should have learned how to suck dick and swallow because look what you fucking procreated. Oh, my God. When a crowd reacts like, oh, holy shit, you know you got their attention. And I looked at him. And then I, the rest of the night, I break his balls. What's up, virgin boy? Yo, mama's boy. Huh? What's your hand looking like? Hey, there's Rosie Palmer, five daughters. I guess you guys got a hot date tonight with the porno. Oh, bag. my God. That was it. Oh, yeah. I had one guy who had a phone. He said, hey, Amy Lee. Jenny Craig's calling for you. I said, hey, shit. see that phone. He dumbass hands me the phone. I go, hello? Hello? Out on the ground and stomp on it. I go, this phone broke. Then I kick it at him. So he went to the promoter and complained. God rest his soul to Jericho. I gave him more gray hairs than, than, than the entire roster. And, and I, I, he, they would come up to him and they go, she broke my phone. Well, you're the dumbass that gave it to him. Nobody told you to give it to him. Why didn't you know she was going to broke him? What's she going to do? Would it braid her hair? Like, it was just, you know. So he would look at me and go, broke a phone. I said, did you have to pay for it? He goes, no, I'm not paying for the goddamn film. Dumbass gave it to you. And I said, well, then what are you mad at me for? Don't break people's shit. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. My people wanted to try and get one up on me because I entertained them. I was everybody's perversion. You yelled at me. You screamed at me. You cussed me up. You spit at me. You called me names that probably you had called growing up in childhood. I didn't care. I was everybody's therapy. And you know what the best part of it was? I was getting paid to be insulted. I was paid, I was getting paid to work the crowd and be insulted. Insult. <laughs> I have to say, under getting back to Murdoch, you know, five steps this way, 20, that way I am old, so you have to mind me. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let, me, let me hold you off for a second because uh, you sound like you're under water now so why don't we try this why don't you shut the camera off because i'm going to see if this is going to fix it because it might be pulling too much internet on your side so if you can shut your camera off okay now say something because maybe that will like take away and then i'll just put a photo up of you on the screen so something say something you sat a little bit better it might be a little too much so i think that's what i'm gonna do um, okay. Because it was well, like. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna grab headsets because it might be the microphone on this on this laptop. Okay. Grab grab okay. that. We'll we'll try that. Yeah. Choose thank it. you. No problem. Take take your time. <laughs> it could be that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> the joy of uh, Wi-Fi and all that stuff. So we're gonna try that. If anything, we'll just leave her picture up here, on the window. If it works better that way, we're gonna. We're going to try that. It was funny because it was working before. that It just went crazy. <laughs> so how are you guys doing in the chat? Is this, let's see. The joy of technology. Is that better? I think you sound a little bit better. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Because I don't want it to take away from like your stories and like it's going like cracking. I think I think we're a little better now. 
So, is that better? I think I think we're a little better. So I'm, leave the camera off. We're gonna we're gonna do that that way just in case because it might be pulling too much bandwidth on your side. You know, wait for severe thunderstorms down here. That's that's probably what it is too. So, but you sound a little bit better. So we're gonna we're gonna do it this way. <laughs> Because you know what? I kept looking at myself and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta fix my hair. I'm like, I hope I don't have nothing in my future shit about me. That old bitch. No. <laughs> no. But, no, uh, you're good. You're good. You're good. So, so learning under Murdoch, when you work shows, I used to have to help set up concessions, set up the ring, take it all down and clean it up. So I'm like semi-main or right after um, I'm the warm-up for the crowd after intermission. So I'm I'm in the building. I got curlers under my hair, in my hair under a baseball cap, no makeup on. I'm like kind of kayfabing everybody. So I'm in there. I'm running around and everything like that. Then I got to go in the locker room. I pull these curlers out, do my porno, fat porno girl makeup and everything, put my put my leather on and everything like this. I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of work. He's like, you got to earn your spot. He said, he said, what makes you think that you have any right to just walk in and just, you know, work a show? He's like, you've got to earn your spot. He said, I opened the door for you, but it's how you um, accept the opportunity. And I was like, well, whatever I got to do is whatever I got to do. And that's pretty much what happened. So and then I came back home. My dad got sick. I came back home. Had a tryout uh, late in the late 90s with WWE. They were very much interested in me and stuff, and they were interested in using me with Luna. And um, unfortunately for me, uh, it wasn't going to work out because five days after my dad had passed, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer, oh, no. and she had uh, all six years. So when they wanted to send me over to a European tour, they were like, you're leaving, sign this contract, you're leaving, like, in two days. I'm like, dude, I can't do that. My mom's, like, in hospice. And they're like, well, I don't want to hear it. Rene Goulet was the guy that said, I don't want to hear it. You're, you're going, you know, oh, he signed wow. a contract. I'm like, dude, if I take my mom over, well, what chances I won't take you over? That's the lady who gave me life and taught me taught me how to walk, talk, wipe my ass and everything else. And, and, and they're like, well, then, you know, bye. And I was like, okay. And then. 2003, after I started working with WEW, they wanted to bring me in. Um, I had another opportunity, but my brother had passed away. I was helping out with his five-year-old daughter, raising her. So it's just like, you know, always the, always the bridesmaid, never the bride when it came to pro wrestling. But that's okay. Wow. You know, I walked the fine line between reality and bullshit for 30 years. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because... Uh which we'll get into in a little while like you know like i heard like mad i forgot who it was like i was in the front and he was in the back talking to somebody he was like abc had been through a lot of shit through the years i don't know who he was telling but i like heard him like <laughs> say that like in the background it was it was really really interesting uh, yeah. so i mean we'll get back into that in, in uh in a little bit but there's a couple of things i want to go through first um, so again, like, I always like to do this, like, I mean, I know who you are, you know, but I always like to ask whoever comes on this podcast, like, if a fan that's listening and like, never seen you before wrestle, like, what is the go to match that they would probably like, instantly fall in love with you that they should watch? Anything regarding WEW, which is on YouTube. Or in WSU, I would have to say me versus Kong. Okay. There, the, WSU, there's two matches. It's me and Luna tagging um, as Satan Sisters against Diva Killers or me versus Kong. Awesome. So, 
QEW, but then those two matches, they're my two, because they're my two favorite yeah. matches, too. Yeah, that's why I was like, I like giving that option for, like, you guys, because everybody's always got, oh, you know, like, their own opinions. Uh, mm -hmm. Brandon's in the chat. He goes, hi, Tiffany. What's up, Amy? Hope you're doing well. Want to know who was your favorite opponent? Riptide. Ooh. Absolutely. And the reason why I say Riptide is I met her when she was re re wrestling as the prodigy. And I called her, and it was for November to Remember in Northeast Philly National Guard Armory for Women's Extreme Wrestling. It was their pay-per-view, and, and I was honored because Moore and Mae Young, we asked them to watch our matches, and they totally popped for our match the whole time. Um, I, I, I had met her just that night, and I said to her, what do you want to do? I said, what do you like to do? She said, well, I like to do this and this. And I said, all right. She goes, what do you want to do? And I said, well... We got a big building. Let's just play balls to the walls and brawl everywhere. She goes, okay. I said, you jump, I'll catch. You throw, I'll catch. I said, but I throw just as hard. She goes, okay. And we did. We went balls to the walls all over the, the building. It was a lot of fun. Oh. A lot of fun. I, every time I worked with her, I had a great match. I always came out learning more and more from her. She was really good. Really, oh. really good. Cool. Brandon said, she's the ambassador of my brand, Brandon's Wrestling Oddities. Just brought her into an event last weekend. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, Thanks for awesome. coming into the chat and uh, hanging out with us. Um, so another question. I mean, now we're like 2021. Okay. I like, mm -hmm. I know how like the nineties were. I mean, that's pretty much mm -hmm. like where I really started watching wrestling was the nineties. Sure. I mean, so mm -hmm. like, how was it for you, you know, in that time of being a women's wrestler when, you know, and I've talked about this with other wrestlers too, that pretty much like back then when I was watching like the nineties, you didn't really have a lot of like women's wrestling, mm -hmm. like on TV, you know, like you, you had like the, you know, the valet, you really didn't have mm -hmm. too much women's wrestling. So mm -hmm. in the indies, like compared, which we'll get into as well later, how it's like exploded now uh, with women's mm -hmm. wrestling. But how is it for you at that time in the 90s? It, it was frustrating because women's wrestling was taking a really bad downward spiral. And like you said, it was a, mostly uh, valets and arm candy. And you saw a lot of talented women wrestlers that were becoming valets to make a paycheck. Right. So someone like myself, I had to wrestle guys because yeah. there really wasn't a lot of girls in my area at the time. It really wasn't until 2000 where there was more independent female wrestlers because in the 90s, they either – the ones that were wrestling in the 80s were, were either going to Japan and living over there for months at a time, like a Medusa Michelli, or they were getting married and having kids like a Heidi Lee Morgan. Right. So I, really, I wound up wrestling guys. I, I, I did wrestle. There was one female in the Indies that, in, in the 90s I enjoyed working with, and that was Fantasia. She came out of um, Dick Caracol's National Wrestling League and uh, John Rambo's House of Pain. And I had actually met John Rambo online when AOL existed. And we were talking about looking to expand a little bit. I, you know, and I gave my history and he's like, I know who you are. And he's like, Samu, Samu from the Wild Samoans, um, head shrinker Samu spoke, spoke very highly of me. He said, so he said, come on down and maybe you and my female wrestler could work a card together. And we did. And we, we would do where her and I would do matches and then a tag team she was managing and a tag team I was managing. We would do run-ins against one another. So we would mix it up to mixed tags, one-on-ones, you know, all kinds. of so there were so many angles. So you could take – so you have two female wrestlers and then you have four men. 
that tag team. You could do, honestly, you could build a show on that whole thing. Yeah. The girls wrestle each other. Each one of the guys wrestle each other. Mm-hmm. Then tag teams wrestle. We get into it. Then you make it a six. So if you think about it right there, you got one, two, three, four, five matches right there on a card. Yeah. But the same thing is you have to have that charisma and that ring psychology to pull it off. Yeah. So you have to crowd. And that's something I, I do not see at all anymore is people are doing their stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad work, but the crowd don't want to see it. They're crickets. And I'm like, listen to the crowd. If they're crickets, you got to do something yeah. to wake them up. The board, wake the crowd up. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I hate going to those promotions. You sit there. It's like, come on. And I'd be like the only one screaming. And it's like, really? Come on. Yep, like, yep. get into it. It's like, I've they're seen. They're not entertained. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's like, come on. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Definitely. And I, and I, I've seen those, those wrestlers too, that they put out and, you know, would give back. And so, you know, that's why I always tell everybody, be loud, go to these shows, have fun. Like, you know, so that's a chance to be, listen, when you go to those shows, all bets are off. That's when you can scream your head off, push your head off. Don't frustrate it. It's, it's honestly, it's therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Really? If you think about it, No, definitely. That's why, like, I'll even love, like, heckling uh, the heels, like, just any kind of oh, reaction. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah, one of the personal exactly. things about independent wrestling <laughs> up against, like, these big stadium, you know, shows. And, you know, it's more personal, you know, like, you can interact it more with, with the wrestlers, which, which I love very much. So, but, yeah, definitely, definitely be loud. So, you know, we talked about the 90s, right? And I mean, it's got to be amazing for you to watch this, that we have an involvement, right, of wrestling. We got death matches. We got intergender. Like, I mean, we could go on and on and on about all the different kinds of wrestling that we have, you know, I like compared to like at one point of women being treated like, again, like a sex object in, in the ring with like, you know, that's what it was even on TV. But like you kind of like you know what are the women that you like you kind of built a way to like where a lot of these women are today you know mm-hmm. it's 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 not so like how's that for you to watch like currently like you'll come to like shows and, and you'll see like these women and they're again like like you said you've wrestled like men too but like we're seeing more and more of it being like more open and norm mm-hmm. now yep it's the new norm and i love it because it was everything I see now, it, it always was there. You have to remember, back then you didn't have social media. You didn't have internet. Right. Um, the uh, pay-per-view, the internet pay-per-views and things like that. So independent wrestling back then was more of a word of mouth than it right. was. And, and somewhat on the magazines and the reporters and the and news sheets. Whereas now everybody can report on it. So people like yourself help the indies because you're getting people you know discovered acknowledged um even booked because yeah. you know they you know listening or somebody will say hey i used to hear so and so on that on tiffany ann's podcast and you're like well no yeah listen to it they said this oh really yeah. i want to hear that so like yourself that that are, are really helping it grow which yeah. is always appreciated but um it's always been there there's always been because even like my husband he wrestled for 
WWWF. He was the guy that wrestled all the heavy hitters like um, the Kempateras and um, guys like he's actually on YouTube uh, wrestling Bruiser Brody on the Indies when Bruiser was doing Indies. Um, so I, you know, if you looked it up, Bruiser Brody versus Al Palmer. Yeah, I'm giving my husband a plug. You can watch that. It's such a simple match, but they, the whole time you're like, holy shit, that's ass whooped. Me and my husband, but it, it was a it was a great old school match and. You know, um, so they didn't have all the publicity and stuff like they do now, but it always existed. It was always out there. It's just getting more acknowledgement now. It's it's finally succumbed under the spotlight, which is absolutely phenomenal. I love seeing um, like WEW was the first to do an all women's pay-per-view right. um, and they would do it. And then they did it out of the Earthlink Arena, which was WCW's tapings back in the day. So it was good to see where WEW was more cartoonish in the beginning. And then they started bringing the talents over like Jazz, Simply Luscious, Mercedes, Cindy Rogers. So it was good to see other ladies like Cindy Bobcat was there. Francine was there. My girl, God bless her soul. May she rest in peace. Daphne was there. So, yeah. um, there was a lot of talent that was there, but a lot of the female wrestlers back then didn't want to be on WEW because they said, oh, they got nudity, they got sex scenes, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, so my my thought on that was you got to get them in the door anyway. You got to yeah. get some pervert in the door to watch women's wrestling. OK, so you know what? Let those girls shake their ass, wear the pasties, do all <laughs> the noise. Because I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fucking wrestle. I'm going to be yeah. part time. Like, and that's what I did. And it really helped me because, you know, when I was wrestling in the 2000s, I was on TV for, I was on TV for Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Outrageous Wrestling, Women's Extreme Wrestling, WXW, NWL. And then, um, so there was five nights of indie wrestling and four out of the five nights I was on television. Wow. That's not bad for somebody yeah. who never made a big, big dance. So... Whenever anybody had an all-women's promotion, they automatically, like, Sean McCaffrey reached out to me, said, Amelia, I want you to be my ultimate heel. So whoever I put you against, they're going to love. So whenever he wanted to get somebody over with the crowd, he just put them with me. I'm like, okay. I didn't give a shit because I was getting paid very well for it. And, you know, I wasn't – what I laugh at with the indies nowadays is everybody wants to be – Mr. or Mrs. Popular. And you can't, not everyone can be that popular right. person, that total place um, uh, wealth. So I really never sold a lot of merchandise. I would have eight by tens and stuff. And I never really did a lot of the uh, autograph signings and things like that. I kind of kept myself away from everybody. Mm -hmm. And the reason why character, so my character was even more believable. And two, people craved me. Because if I made myself available to everybody every single time, it's it's like, you know, every you know, like you like filet mignon. Well, when you have it like twelve times in a row, you're like, oh, I don't like filet mignon no more. Yeah. Well, when I show Am I going to see her before the show? Am I not going to see her? Is she going to come out at intermission? Is she not going to come? So it depended on what I wanted to do. You know, if, if I wanted to go out and be sociable, I would just walk through the crowd and laugh my ass off because everybody po everybody would part like Moses in the Red Sea because they didn't know what I was going to do because I look like I Or, you know, some people would ask for a picture or something. So, of course, I was always very nice to everybody because they're the people in the pocket. You know, they look like they don't have two nickels to rub together. They could have been fucking rock but 
you know, they're taking their $25 out of their $150 paycheck a week and they're putting 25 in my pocket. So I'm not going to, then I started doing the merch later on and people were buying it. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So, you know, some of the girls were actually turning to costumes too, because of the women's wrestling being so decreased in the nineties, but I didn't do them because back then they were doing them in apartment wrestling. They were doing like more like dominatrix shit. And I was like, I'm not doing that shit because what you do will come back to haunt you someday. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing all that. My luck. I want to be a politician in my town. And here comes primetime Amy Lee going, who's your mommy? Yeah, I don't need that drama. No, thank you. But I have to say, I did do a couple of costumes, and that was for Liberty Pro Wrestling, and that was for Daryl Bruff, and he was a total gentleman, and allowed me to, like he does with all the girls, allows you to review the script, and anything you don't want to do, you don't do, and anything you want to do, you do. So I was saying to him, listen, if people want to buy a costume of me, I'm very unpredictable. We never know what I'm going to say. We never know what I'm going to do. Just tell me three things they want in the match and I'll make it happen. But if they're going to tell me, walk this way, talk this way, do this and that, screw you. I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> so they're like, I actually wound up making like, like fucking 1600 grand while weekend for like two hours worth of work. I was like, holy fuck ball. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Graphic to see the opportunity. So that was a nice payday. Are you going to get that every time? No. And that's what the girls don't realize. You can't make a living off of indie wrestling. You have to have a real job to fall back. Yeah. Yeah. I hear I hear a lot of stories through uh, all the friends. So I definitely, definitely know that how that how that can feel. So um. I'm really dating myself. But, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I tell these indie kids, you got to have an education. you yeah. got to have a trait. you got to have something yeah. to fall back on. Yeah. And, and that's what they don't realize. Like, I, honestly, I worked from 1994 because when I did my tours and stuff, like I'm a Canada, Europe, and, and overseas and everything, I took that money. I didn't buy cars and jewelry and piss it away. I, I paid for my college education. My dad was a mailman. He didn't make that kind of money. My dad was like, college is a, 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 a is a privilege, not a necessity. Go get a job. Pay for it yourself. So I paid people up for a living on weekends in a ring wearing leather. That's how I paid for my college. There I tell go. people that. What's that? Oh, the American Bar Association. Yeah. You know? It's so, not, a bad, not a bad plan. No. no. Bra- no. Brandon Kirk just said that to the kids at uh, H2O the other day. He was like, learn a trade. He was yeah. like, learn a trade. He's like, it was yep. like the best advice. And I was like, yep. I was yep. like, it's, learn a trade. I was like, that's a great, you know, like if you don't want to go to college, that's okay. Learn to trade then. Like it's not, it's not bad advice. So God no, forbid. It's not. Go to trade school then. My brothers went to trade school. One works for the water company. He's a regional manager of the, of a, of a, a water company. And my other brother, he, he worked for public works as an electrician, certified electrician. Plus he had a side business. Yeah. So he was like, so it's like, no, you do. You can't do this forever. Listen, yeah. I did it for 30 but I walked the fine line. I was a weekend warrior. I wasn't full time. I didn't. I never allowed wrestling to own me. Right. I owned wrestling. I picked and choose. And I mean, there. Listen, for all the people in pro wrestling listening to me today, professional wrestling is the most toxic relationship. It will love you, then it will hate you. It will recognize you then it will segregate you. It will include you. It will ignore you. It will make you money. It will take your money. So 
That is the most seesaw emotional roller coaster relationship you will ever have. And honestly, everybody wants that championship belt. Me? I would look at people and go, please don't give me the belt. And they're like, why? And I'm like, commit to you. And I'm not, I don't want to commit to you. And they're like, why? I go, because I don't want to. I don't have to fucking commit to you. And honestly, between now I can break the kayfabe because I didn't want to tell people my personal business because when people know your weakness, they, they, they thrive off of it and hold it against you. Yeah. And honestly, my mother at the time, and then I was taking care of my five-year-old niece, and then my boyfriend moved in, who's now my husband. He had a 13-year-old daughter hit puberty. So I had family, you know, and I have family illnesses, family family functions and stuff. But I'm not going to tell people my business. I would just yeah. say, no, don't give me the belt. I don't want the belt because once you go up, there's nowhere but to go down the bottom. And when you get all those cheers and everybody loves you it's hard to move on from that you feel like you you're a failure you feel like nothing ever and it's all psychology it's not a fact it's just psychology because we build ourselves to believe we are the greatest in the world what a fake fucking belt seriously if i put 90 percent of the people that are in the ring in a real fight like a shoe fight 90% of people get their asses kicked by this AARP number. That's the truth. <laughs> so it's not real. Listen, you know what? You know what I tell everybody? It's an accessory. A championship belt is an accessory. I do take it as a compliment, though, when people want to put me as their champion because that means that they have faith in me with their company. But guess what? No disrespect. I love Mercedes. Like, like, like she's my own bloodline. But. Too many companies were putting a belt on her. So why am I going to come to your company with her as your champion when I can go to this company mm-hmm. at another night that's more convenient for me because she's a champion there? So when you got five companies in an area, in a tri-state area, and they throw the women's belt on the same person, why the fuck would you even bother? H2O, I only wrestled for Matt's company. Why? Because, again... I'm not going to wrestle for another company in the same building. I've got to work for CZW so many times when, when PWU was running out of the same building. But I did, and I only worked for one company. Why? Because I wanted you to come for the company who gave me the opportunity for you to come see me. That's why. And people are what I call booking whores. they got to have 99 bookings in the same area. But what the dumbasses don't realize is you're eventually going to be like bread. You become stale. All right. And that don't understand psychology. It's psychology, psychology in business, psychology in the ring. It's extremely important. And a lot of people are trained. I was trained by a professional. I carry what that professional taught me. I carry what Murdoch taught me. I carry what Luna taught me. I carry what Kamala taught me. I carried it with me. And a lot of these people that make it big and collapse, it's because they don't understand the psychology behind everything. They take it so personal. Listen, are you going to pay me? You're giving me what? You're giving me a two-year contract. You don't have a spot for me now, but I'm getting paid? Okay, good. I'm going to go pursue something else. (laughs) Pay him. And what they don't realize, you get paid every six weeks. You don't get paid every week. It's oh, wow. every six weeks. You're 1099 at the end of the year. So, okay, you made 150000 How much of that did you spend in travel? Because they take yeah. it out of your paycheck. So they say to you, well, we pay for your, oh, we'll, we'll pay for your travel. Yeah, they take it out of your fucking paycheck. So you really ain't making $100,000 a year. You may be making fucking seventy five or 60000 a year by the time they pay for the travel. That's why people, that's why a lot of, think about it. When you, when you have these wrestlers and they say, can you book me at this place? I got points. 
Yeah. You know, I got points because they want to get the points. So when they go overseas and wrestle, they can stay in a nicer hotel instead of them cockroach places. <laughs> People don't understand it, though. And I guarantee not, I, I can almost guarantee that nobody else on the indie scene has ever explained this to anybody. Jeez. On this show, because they've never experienced it. That's uh, not, what it is. Yeah, not <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I've heard other stories behind the scenes, but uh, yeah. yeah, but no, it is. And I'm like, guys, let it go, let it go. All right, so you're the champion. You got to drop it to this guy. Okay, they're building this guy up. Okay, so how about you be a locker room leader, be graceful, thank the man. Okay, thank the man for the opportunity he gave and say to him, well, how about, and then you take somebody who's young and let me help you build this guy up. Yeah. And that, you know, I know why, because you have integrity. Yeah. You have integrity. And that's what people don't realize. Everybody, oh, this person, dude, it's fake. Okay. <laughs> if I punch a lead, that's real. If I throw a punch and never touch you, it's fake. Yeah. Hello. Not that hard, McFly. My friend Conrad's in the chat from Everything Pro Wrestling. He goes, does Amy Lee ride motorcycles? If yes, what kind of bike does she have? Oh, Conrad. God bless your heart. No, I don't even ride a moped. Okay. I've never. Okay. So, Conrad, I want you to laugh your balls off on this one, my love. I, the closest thing I ever got to a biker, a biker dude, was my husband's baby brother he was friends with guys in the breed and scotty bigelow's brother was the president of the asbury chapter of the breed those guys were giving me those patches that back in the 90s you would see all over my jackets and stuff no no my idea is riding a massage chair that's about as good as it gets me i love seriously i never i would get booked at the watering hole there was a wrestling promotion that ran shows outside at the watering hole they would book me for the main event because they were like we want one i would pick the bikers brains buying them booze and saying dude what about that and and, uh, and one and one one couple was like oh yeah you broke your hand you broke your wing so i would go to the, the fucking leather shop motorcycle shop and i look for broken wings and put it on that hand and put glue it on the glove you know, it's monkey shirts goes together no oh god no no <laughs> no, no, no and for everyone out there i do love jack daniels but trust me i've never drank as much jack daniels as i clean i'm coming clean tonight we're coming clean on this podcast. yay i don't, I don't I have more bottles of Jack Daniels I know what to do with. <laughs> Seriously. I have three shelves of Jack Daniels from people giving me a... I had one behind the engraved in Gentleman Jack when I retired from actually physically from the ring. And I thanked that person because that was a fucking $100 bottle of Jack. And I was like, I look at my house I go, I'll never crack that open. And he goes, why? I go, that's a nice fucking bottle. Some wrestling mark may feel sorry for my fat ass and buy it. Oh no, those things in the flask. You know what was in that flask? Iced tea. That's what was in Not lemonade. Iced tea. I swear. <laughs> I know. I work the workers. That's a true. That's true psychology. When you can work the workers, you are over, motherfuckers. And I let everybody. I showed up at a show one time in my suit from work. And somebody said, could I help you? I said, yeah, I'm on the show. They're like, yeah, right. And they're like, <laughs> that's my name right there. I go, motherfucker, that's me. What are you? Fucking 
stupid fucking eyes. I said, dude, I had to go to my probation officer today. I'm not going in my fucking leathers. Oh my god. And they're like, that's the kind of shit, but you have to be quick like that. Yeah. Oh, I worked away. I should have been a fucking actress. There you go. <laughs> He's died in the chat, by the way. He goes, thank you for oh, the good. answer. Oh, you're so welcome, Conrad. I hope I, I hope, I hope you laugh your balls off for decades over that. Well, never, never, never. I didn't even own a tricycle. My fat ass ain't getting on no bike. Then I fucking one left cheek and one right cheek hanging over. That's on massage chairs. I ride massage chairs. And my husband, that's about it. So, if, if you want to know what kind of bike I, if I could ride a bike, it would be a fat boy, but instead I ride my, my, my fat boy husband. Oh okay? my god. My fat boy husband. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome, I Conrad. love it. I, I love it. That was great. Yeah, that was great. I love it. I love it. All right. I want to talk. I want to talk Matt Tremont. I want to talk H2O. I want to talk about you training him. I, I just, I, I mean, I love it. H2O is like my home now. Like Matt is amazing. I love all his students and like everything associated with H2O. So Tell us, tell us a little bit about everything with Matt, and then we'll get into you being inducted to the H2O Hall of Fame. So Matthew, I believe, was around 2007, ran a show down where he was living in Maze Landing, and he loves wrestling. I would see him at the indie shows and all with it. So he had a show, and an indie wrestler by the name of Tommy Cairo, he had a split second in ECW when he, when they first started, um, he was helping him out with the show. So I knew Tommy and, and Phil Barlis was doing the ring announcing who did a lot of indie uh, ring announcing back in the day. I mean, if you had an indie show, you hired him or Frank Catuso to do the ring announcing because they both come in the talks as a whole. Cause my, Gary Michael Capato was getting up there in age and he Google him, everyone. He's from back in the day. He was, he was Mr wwwf ring announcer and indie wrestling ring announcer and then he passed the torch to phil and and franca too so but anyway um matthew was there and i'm watching the show and they're in this dojo and it's a small ring and it's down to the ground and i'm like hmm, and i see ladders and all i'm like this ain't good so they had a ring announcer that was a special guest ring announcer and the man turned around the little girl booed him and he said to the five-year-old little girl and this is on youtube too it'll say amy lee goes off on a fan Shocker. I turn around, the guy says, bite me to a five-year-old. And I went, oh, mother five-year-old. Bite your fucking balls in, bitch. And he looked at me. I said, what the fuck are you? Talk to anybody. I went, well, he didn't know who the fuck I was. And then I, and, and he and he says to me, who my name is Amy motherfucking Lee. And he just like looked at me. I have to say, and I'm not sounding racist here. I apologize if it comes across that way. The African-American turned whiter than my big fat white ass. Okay. That's where the bitch he goes. So Mac, Mac's sister comes over and she, and I said, oh, you don't fucking do shit like that. And she's like, look, you guys are ruining my brother. Really want to do this. And I looked at him. I go, you want to learn how to fucking wrestle? He goes, yeah. I said, well, meet me down here. And at the time it was uh, Devastation University over in uh, Seoul. They were running out of a gym there. It used to be Bundy's old place. And Doc Diamond took it over. I said, meet me there on this day. And he said, okay. I didn't think he was going to show up. I showed up there. He was waiting for me. I said, oh, shit. And he had manners. And I said, oh, you were raised right. You got manners. And you're very respectful. And he, and he is. He's, he's a gentleman. And I said, all right, well, you're mine. I'm killing you. And I, my husband and I worked with him, taught him how to chain, bump, all that stuff. And then he said to me, I really want to do the hardcore wrestling. And I said, let me explain something to you about that. 
that's your calling and that's your cup of tea, then do it. I wish you all the best. Go over there. But I'm going to tell you right now, one, you get paid for your lumps and bumps. And two, you're going to age very, very quickly with that style of wrestling. And he said, I know. I, know. I said, no, listen to me. Think about this. You're going to be 38 feeling like you're 100. Not 60, 100. And he said, no, I really want this. I gave him my blessings, and he just blossomed from there. And when I saw his first match with Onito, now mind you, Onito's up there in age, and he's been through a lot of shit with the hardcore wrestling and stuff. Matt carried him, and Matt did it with style and grace and never looked made Onito look uh, weak. And I was very proud to see that moment, and I was very happy DJ kept his word on it. And then when Matthew was going over to Japan, you would have thought it was me going over to Japan. And then when he went to the UK and I, whenever he would travel, I would say, here's, here's these names, here's these numbers, here's these emails. You hit them up. Anything happens, they are your emergency people, you know, because that's what we would do back in the day. If I was overseas wrestling and, you know, one of my friends would take me under their wing and, you know, pretty much babysit me, you know. And then when they would come over here, I would pretty much babysit Oh, did we lose you? Can't hear you now. Hello? <laughs> the joy of technology. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll... You there? All right, we're going to hang up. Call her back. Let's see if this will work. <laughs> Sorry, guys, for the <laughs> technical difficulties. I can't get her back I'll kill the stream and I'll do a, a part two and I'll record offline yeah it says she's uh unavailable so I'll give it like another second uh if anything like I said I'll just record the rest of my questions and I'll just upload it as a part two so let me try one more time Am I back? Yeah, you're back. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Everybody's going like, this motherfucker. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. So, you were talking about Japan and Onita. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my mind. Go back. Yeah, so when he worked, when he worked Onita, you could see Onita was long in the tooth and stiff and stuff. And Matt carried him, made him look strong, and did it with style and grace. So, I'm super excited with him because... You know, he's always dreamt of having his own promotion in school and just have everything in one shop. And 
he has that. He has it yeah. all there. And he has integrity and he has respect and he treats people with respect. Yeah. I don't think everyone treats him that way. And I think they yeah. mistake his kindness for a weakness. But And I know he gets frustrated with the students. And I said to him, well, we all create monsters. He goes, but I wasn't that way. And I said, because I didn't allow you that way. I didn't give you leniency. You, in plain English, you fucked up, you, you got slapped. I fucked up. I got fucking Matt Burns from Murdoch. He slapped the shit out. He didn't play. He didn't play. He did not fucking play. And I don't play. And I said to Matt, you're just too nice. You've got to, you know, just because you gave somebody a spot on the show, it doesn't mean they, they keep that spot. I giveth, I taketh. That's my attitude. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're at the beginning of their career and they're acting like schmucks, you know. And I said to him, you imagine when they get to, they'll never make it to the big league because their eagles will be bigger than, than fucking uh, Rikishi's ass. So, you know, you got to pull your head out of your ass and be humble and just be appreciative. Yeah. And that means, um, uh, you know, I mean, think about it. He's doing the Thunderdome with Anita. He's yeah. doing the Thunderdome. He's going to do great with it. Yeah. You know, everybody. Listen, just because people like Halloween doesn't mean they want to do trick-or-treating. What are you going to do? Sit at home and watch fucking horror movies or go watch some fucking kill one another wrestling. That's yeah. What they <laughs> That's what they want to say, you know? Yeah. So, you know, he's broken barriers where other people have it. And he's done it with dignity and respect and class. Right. And I say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sal's ear. You have to be born with it. And he's born with it. I have to say, you know, um, I know him and his mom, his, his birth mother doesn't really um, speak a lot because she doesn't believe in what he's doing and stuff. Um, but... I understand his passion, and I give him a lot of credit because he has bigger balls than I do to do something like that. I mean, I, I promoted back in the 90s on Dinosaur Beach, and when Dinosaur Beach, you know, sold to more East Pier, that was it. You know, it was just like a summer. It was just like two summers I did it, and that was it. Yeah, Whereas, you know, seven, 365 days a year. And honestly, if you think about this, too, he's actually um, – provided monday night shows he does the saturday shows yeah. he does friday shows and he lets one or two promotions in there to do shows he don't let yeah. as many in there anymore which i'm glad to see because i said don't you keep you keep booking this with everybody else you're not gonna have room for you yeah. you got to take care of everybody else yeah. so you know he has a couple where the, mis the the mixed gender shows and that's nice that's always nice to say yeah. and then sean henderson which is his very first student yeah. he had he has a show but you know sean doesn't really do too much without running it by Matt, which is good, you know, yeah. and then like Matt will reach out to me about stuff, um, but he's got a good head, he has a vision, and he follows through with it, and he's really progressed from, if you look at his first show at the H2O to now, it is so day and night, yeah. it, you feel like you're like in a condensed, um, like, you know, big show, because, I mean, the building, you know, is not as big as, you know, one of these stadiums or arenas, but it's a nice size. Right. Everyone gets along. You look forward to seeing one another. Some people, they go out to dinner beforehand and come to the show and hang out, and then they go their separate ways, mm -hmm. which is nice, you know, yeah. so you kind of build like a family. So Matt's given people that had nowhere to go a place to go. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have fallen out with DJ and, the only thing I'll say about DJ is DJ is not as tough as he wants to think he is in the sense Matt had him and I in a match and DJ said, all they want to see is uh, me get, you know, want to see her skull fuck me and that's it. And me get hit with the strap. Yeah. And so he starts it off by cutting a promo on me. 
tell her I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I am the queen of the microphone, motherfuckers <laughs> on the Indies. I'll say it. I, he give me the mic. I take it. I toss it back. Seven minutes of that match was just cutting promos. And I did some shoots where like, oh, the boys, you know, why all the boys are doing this tonight for free? They get a chance to whoop your ass for fucking them over on their paydays back in the day. You know? So, you know, I threw, I threw, I threw some uh, salt in the old wound there. <laughs> and uh, nobody hit me with a shot. They all enjoyed beating his ass. I just looked at them all and went, Merry Christmas, babies. <laughs> happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, or whatever you celebrate. My gift to you. You know, because a lot of because he would promise them the sun, moon, and stars, and you were lucky if he gave you a speck of glitter. Yeah. You know, and Bentley, who was always like, hey, DJ, you got to do this, you got to do this. And he took over WSU. And when I came back to help him run the locker rooms, uh, there were some girls in there that looked at me like, well, who the fuck are you? You're a, you're a fucking nobody. I'm like, I'll show you who the fuck I am when I slap the fuck out. You know? So, you know, girls had to straight them out real, real quick. And I was like, don't make that. Don't, don't say because I'm fat and old. I ain't going to fuck you up. Because I've always been, I always been fat. I'm just a little older. I said it meant about So, but I didn't have any problems. Like, there was a couple girls where... Some of their items got damaged because other people were just careless with the hair curlers and all. So, like, here, Hogan, she had just bought these bags. And she said, look, I just bought these here, and I think it was, like, $20 for it. And she showed me the receipt, and I was like, whether it was true or not, I don't know. I just, it was a tw- receipt for $20, and I said, here's 20 bucks. DJ didn't even have 20 bucks in his pocket to give the fucking girl a reimbursement for something that got damaged. Aww. But I didn't want the girl to leave with a bad taste in her mouth. And I showed, if anything, I showed her that, one... I got your back. Two, you got my ear. And three, I have integrity. So, you know, that was one thing with him. I'm like, this one is upset about this. This is upset about that. Rick Tottle was upset about a couple of things. Maria Manic was upset. Penelope Ford was upset. And I'm like, listen, instead of you running around and bitching and complaining on social media, come to me. I will help you. I said, I understand your frustrations far better than you, you think I do. And we're dealing with a village idiot here who all he looks about is dollars and cents. So why don't you just listen to me? Well, guess what? Maria Manic, ROH. Rick Cataldo runs an uh, LTG BQ um, uh, company. Um, Penelope Ford, she's on AEW far better yeah. and come a long way since WSU. So kudos to them. Kudos to them. Yeah. I see a lot of them girls, you know. Yeah. I see a lot of that, that started out CZW and 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 DJ will say, well, that's because of me. No, it's not because of you, motherfucker. It's because the roster, the roster, the people that they yeah. worked with. Okay. Right. They worked with Hom. They they you know they worked with a homicide. They worked with these guys that mm-hmm. that had that that had some polish or finesse, you know. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't take the credit for it. Yeah. Fuck you, you know. <laughs> fucking Drano thinking douchebag motherfucker. Oh, Fuck you. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that was not sorry. I You're fine. All right, let's talk about the H two O Hall of Fame. You recently were inducted. Let's talk about like when you found out that Matt was doing this for you, and then the whole crowd, like being there, seeing old friends, seeing you know the kids and everything. Like, how was that? you it was listen it was really nice for me because what a lot of people didn't know was two cold scorpio was backstage that night two cold scorpio and i worked together at pw actually when there was coffin cage i was the only female in the coffin cage history for pw and i was me and scorp were on 
Gordon's team, Todd Gordon's team. So we worked together. So Squirp and I had bled together, traveled together, the whole nine yards, and drank together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Never hopped together, you know? Never shit where you eat. That's another wrestling 101. Never shit where you eat. Because what happens is if you're dating somebody in a promotion and you two break up, the one that the, the one that they can do more with is what they're going to keep in your ass is going to be out. So, you know what? Yeah. You know what? Sit on sit for the girls, sit on ice cubes and for the guys, take a fucking cold shower or spank it in the car. Have ice for you. But, um, no, when Matt reached out to me, I thought he was kidding. And I was like, what the fuck? You put me in a hall of fame before. And he was like, no, 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 you know, no. And I was like, I was honored. And I'm thinking of all the other female wrestlers that are out there did hardcore like mickey knuckles far more hardcore than me lufista was far more hardcore than me and then i thought about luna vashan and i was like see if my girl was alive i would have had her come in and be inducted you know because she she really was the baddest motherfucker out of all of us you know and so um when when he did that i, I was very honored um it was very emotional time for me too because uh, a very dear friend of mine from the wew days um screaming daphne had uh, taken her life and um that really really bothered me because she was always she was always a lot of fun and you know upbeat and stuff like that so um when, when I heard about that, it, it just shattered me because, yeah. you know, she and Bobcat, Cindy Bobcat and uh, Francine and I would share rooms together. And, and Bobcat, Daphne and I all were in Francine's wedding. So it was um, it was very emotional for me because Luna's Luna's dark side of the story was coming out. Daphne had just passed not too, too long ago. And then Matt did this. So that was like my that was. That was my whole negative turning into a positive yeah. when he did that. And I was very touched. And so I'm going through all my memorabilia. And I, f I found his first promotion he ever did. Um, he sold shirts. They were, they, were black and, they were black and red on a white T-shirt. And I went and I got a frame and I put the shirt in there. And I just wanted him to know this is how far you came from a karate school with an oversized ladder with maybe Thirty to forty people to arena that sold out with standing room only and not even that much room. Yeah. So he should be, you know, he really should. So it was. I was very honored. Um, it was great seeing everybody. It really, really was. It was really great seeing everybody. It was great seeing the locker room. You know, like Chuck Payne. I remember when he. I first met him. He was working out at CZW's place in Blackwood, um, and Mike Kittner was was training him at the time and you know he would sit there and he would listen and i would give him advice and stuff and i see him really progressing and you know still picking the brains of people and stuff and i'll, I'll tell him i was like go out online and go reach out to gang girl tell me lee sent you go reach out to this guy tell me lee sent you you know there's squirt go pick his fucking brain that's why i tell everybody when these veterans are there pick their fucking brains because that's how you learn and then you know what when you show when you show the in interest instead of the egos, those guys are going to open doors for you. Hey, I want you, you know, I, you know, if you're ever up in this way, you know, there's this guy here, and they'll tell you people to reach out to. You know, they're going to give the name, and then what you do is common sense, 101 again. Hey, psychology of pro wrestling business. Hey, I was talking to Kevin Sullivan when he was down at H2O, and he had mentioned your name that you're looking for some talent, and the guy might say, well, listen, I can only pay you this, but it's an opportunity. Right. Prime example for me on a Tuesday night and Chubby Dudley's wife, 
uh, was doing marketing for Women's Extreme, and they were looking for a new heel because the, the heel that they had, they had a fallen out with. Mm-hmm. So she had mentioned my name. She called me up. She goes, what are you doing on Thursday night? I go, well, probably getting ready for fucking work or, or why and she's like nope go to froggy's here th- here's the address you're gonna be there be there by 6 30 i'm like why she's like you're wrestling that night for wew and i was like oh i am she goes yeah i said okay the rest is history I, I i did about 20 pay-per-views for them so you know but it was it was nice seeing everybody it really was because there and it's funny because in the crowd was a girl by the name of alexis simone and she um she is the daughter of one of my dearest schoolmates in uh, middle school and high school. Uh, Marlena and I grew up together. We had the same taste in music. And um, Marlena had reached out to me about her daughter loving wrestling. And I sent her daughter to H2O and introduced her to the indie. So it was uh, pretty cool because she's a steady front row ticket buyer to match shows. So when I saw her and now she's in college and everything, you know, here she was in eighth grade starting to go. And now she's in college. It's it was it was very sweet. It was it was very it was very humbling. It was very loving um, to see everybody. I did my very last ring appearance at that arena, and then to be inducted was just oh, that was the cherry on top of the sundae with the Jimmys. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so it was. Amazing. And I was the first female, so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, let me get yeah. some of these fan questions in for you. Sure, so sure, our sure. our first one's from Sal. He's got two questions. He goes, first one is, Sal. which of today's Barbie dolls would you like to skull? <laughs> oh, which of today's Barbie dolls would I like to skull? You know what? On TV or in the indies? Nah, you know what? The girls on TV, they have it as, as much as it's evolving. They got a little rougher than... than than I did in the sense they got more competition to fight with. So I kind of overlooked them. But if I was going to be on her, I think I would just, I'd probably pick the, pick the most popular just to fuck with her. So <laughs> I think, you know what? I think I would pick Charlotte. And I'll tell you why I would pick Charlotte to fuck with. Because her dad wrestled against, my, her dad wrestled against my trainer. So I would do that. Or I would do Tessa Blanchard because her dad wrestled against my trainer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That'd be so, fun. Something like that, I probably would. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, Nick Papa G's in the chat. He goes, hi, mom. <laughs> you know, this guy calls me mom, and he looks like he's my grandfather. Wow. <laughs> Wow. He tells so much bullshit in the locker room. His nose gets bigger like Pinocchio. Oh, no, my I, God. No, what's up, Papa G? What's up, Papa I G? love it. I remember when he broke in the business, when he was a little green bean. He was nervous as a whore in church. So I see these guys because I do. I remember when these guys were starting, and he was very quiet in the locker room, very polite, very well-mannered. Now he found his balls and his voice, and the rest is history, folks. <laughs> But he is a good ref because when yeah, I when, when I because I requested him I said to Matthew you know who I want as my ref and he goes I know oh, I know oh, <laughs> so, I love yeah. it I love it. he's a good guy um, yeah. Sal's second question goes is there anyone in AEW that you would like to face in a one one in one more match First of all I'd probably blow up just walking <laughs> through the ring um, Number two 
All that when I did my hair and makeup, I looked at my husband and go, "It took me three fucking hours to get ready." I was like, "Now I know why I want to be retired." Ugh. That's why, because we don't take three hours to get ready anymore. Now you know what? There's nobody today I would really, really want to work with because a lot of the girls that are on the Indies were green when I was coming in, so I would work with them in battle rules and different things like that. And I just love watching them all evolve. Um. Let's see. If I had to pick one more match, I would. Uh, it wouldn't be someone new. It would actually be somebody on the Indies. And my dream match on the Indies would be a three-way with me, Mickey Knuckles, and Lufisto. Ooh, that would be nice. Because I love both of them. Here's a Mickey yeah. Knuckles story for you. One time I was working with her. It was um, me and um, Nick from uh, Australia. Um, and, and Nick and I were working, uh, her and Ian, and when she went to hit me, I said, you hit me so hard, I came, and I fucking loved it. And she looked at me <laughs> like, what the fuck? What he said to me at USWA when I fucking hit him. He's like, hit me up, and I'm coming. So I was like, mm, I like that. I never forgot it. <laughs> so, no, I like me. And Lufista, when I first met her, she had broke her hand and was wrestling at CZW. I had just finished an afternoon show at PW, and I had worked Sexy Eddie for Ian Rotten's first. That was actually my first hardcore match oh, was wow. for Ian Rotten against Sexy Eddie. And she had said, oh, my God, Eddie had so much fun. I go, he is a hoot, that guy. He just cracked me up. And I just love Lufisto. She's just fabulous. Yeah. Great. A wealth of knowledge. Great, so. great. Um, so another another fan feed is from our good friend, Good Cop, Bad Cop. I, I love this guy. He loves to, you know, stump all the people that come on this podcast. So his question is, with Amy Lee being an anagram of uh, ye meal, what is your meal of choice? <laughs> Wait a minute. What is this again? If I what? <laughs> He loves doing anagrams with anybody's names that come on this podcast. Most of the time, oh, they don't make Amy. any sense. Like, so he's saying Amy Lee. Oh, yep. So if I did, if Amy Lee, what would it stand for? Is well, no. So he said it's of ye meal. So he wants to know what is your meal of choice? Ah, fuck. <laughs> Baked chicken, Brussels sprouts. Fuck apple cranberry stuffing with a fucking fruit punch, bitch. <laughs> cornbread, motherfucker. And butter. Lots of butter, darling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. He's uh... that, That's a choice that everybody thinks. Now, my mom used to make me that meal every year for my fucking birthday. She's like, what do you want for your birthday, bitch? Mind you, I was born in August. So, like, you know, back then we didn't have essential hair. So, I'd be like, bitch, chicken, cranberry apple stuff. <laughs> want the oven on? I was like, well, you can barbecue it, but don't put sauce. And if I would like, I oh, so, And don't forget the lemon cake, motherfucker. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have two final questions for you. And then if any of you okay. guys have questions in the chat, drop them. So I want to talk about uh, Queen of the Death Match because we have it coming up on November 6th. And you were part of the original Queen of the Death Match tournament in 2006. Yeah. So how is that experience for you? And how how is it with the you know with women wrestling evolving since 2006 it's cool i like that things are continuing on and they're growing and they're getting better and better and better see once you do something you always want to make it better and i see it getting better and better and better and when i did that i, I was like all right i'll do it. i didn't give a fuck i'll do anything i was like we need matthew ah, okay whatever so i think it's fucking awesome 
I do. I, you know, if, if somebody gives me a chance just to get in the ring and cuss and beat the balls off of somebody, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. But um, I just need somebody to help me take my boots off afterwards because my body turns into cement. All that fat <laughs> from a fire, it stiffens up. But, no, I think it's great. I, I saw that, and I love it, and I saw Mickey's involved and stuff. Yep. And I did it absolutely fucking awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome. A girl, Casey Cattell's in it, and she was talking to me a little bit about you. She's one of my closest friends, and she said that you guys had a match. So, like, she's in this tournament as well, which is <laughs> which is nuts. <laughs> she's a sweetie. She, she's a sweet. She is. Like, when I was in the locker room, I never wanted to fight with the other girl. I we never did you know it was always like a sisterhood you know in all the locker rooms you know so yeah. I try and I, I tried to do that and I, I think the only time when I did an all-girl show I lost my my composure mm-hmm. is and this is no disrespect to her but uh Tara Calloway was uh on there and she had somebody coming in and they were filming and she's doing makeup with people and and uh she had the mirror and she turned it and I and and the person with the camera was standing inside my gear bag and I'm fucking looking at this and I'm like, you're fucking shitting me. Right. And then I see this unframed mirror leaning on my leather jacket. So I wait till they're all done. This is how you tell you're getting older. Cause I was calm. And then I walked over and I said, are you done filming? They said, yeah. I said, you put an unframed fucking mirror on my leather jacket. And they looked at me and they went, Oh, and I said, Oh, how about I'm sorry. And Tara was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like right away when she realized, she was like, I'm so sorry. And all. she was really sweet about it. I wasn't. I won't lie. I started getting aggravated. And I looked at the girl with the camera and I fucking grabbed her. And I said, get the fuck out of my bag or I'm going to street you with the rest of the fucking trash. I don't know who brought you in here, but I'm telling you, when you're in the locker room, you respect everyone in this room. You are not better than us. If it wasn't for fuckers like us, fuckers like you wouldn't have anything to film. So, do me a favor, get the fuck away from me, or I'm going to stick your fucking head up your ass and pull your tongue through your asshole. Oh, wow. And she was like, look, oh, yeah, I was I was, I was, was not feeling it that day. But all the other girls that were in there, I, I didn't. And I, like I said, Tara apologized and everything. But I'm like, and, and I'm looking, and, and then I go up to Tara's boyfriend, well, now husband, and I said to her, I said, yo, man, like, you brought her in the locker room. That's what, that's my pet peeve. If, if I can say anything about indie wrestling, my pet peeve, and this is not a terror, I, I have to reiterate, I'm going to set the record state on something that I did up teen years ago in WSU locker room in Boonton, and that's the AJ Lee where I went off and said she's just stupid fucking caught and everything. She was banging Jay Lethal at the time, and she had nowhere near signed a contract with WWE. So she's in the locker room and she's just stepping on people's shit, moving people's shit. Where I come from, you never touch anyone's stuff yeah. because if something's missing. You're the last person that touched it. Yeah. Whether there was something there or not, people have been known to say, oh, I got robbed looking for an extra payday. Carny shit. Right. So I never I say, excuse me, whose bag's this and stuff. And people will be like, oh, that's mine. I'm like, do you, do you mind moving? Well, you can move. No, 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 you move it. I don't yeah. want to touch your shit. You right. move it. So she's just moving people's shit, unplugging people's flat irons and curling irons. It took her. Now, all she had to do was stand there, put her right thumb inside her pant, um, waistband, and stand there and go, I'm AJ Lee, the hottest, newest, greatest thing at WSU. 
15 motherfucking takes just to say that line. Oh, wow. Just to say that. Now, I have to cut a promo. Now, we all know I'm the queen of obscene. I'm too, like an old man, two pumps in one square, my promo's done. I, 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 if I've done it in two takes, it's because they just want to make, they just want it from a different perspective. You know, and they'll be like, hey, throw this in there this time. Yeah. So, do you mind? I want to, can I cut my promo? And, you know, you've had 15 takes. And she's like, no, I'm still cutting. And I said, well, it's been 15 times and you still don't know what the fuck to say. Oh, wow. And she, like, she was like, whatever. And Mick's like, go ahead, Amy, like, cut your promo. So I cut my promo, boom, boom. And I go, and that's how you cut a promo. She's like, whatever. So I turn around and I, I go out there because the show's nowhere near started. Fans aren't in there. So I go out there and I and I say, G, I see uh, Jay Lee. So I'm like, hey, what's up? How you doing? I always have mad respect for that dude. He's awesome. Always a gentleman, positive. And he's like, what's up, Amy Lee? And I said, ah, I'm fucking aggravated. He goes, why? He's like, why? What's wrong? Your match? And I said, nah, there's this fucking chicken there. She's greener than fucking baby puke and spinach mixed together. And she took her 15 takes to cut a promo. And he goes, damn, really? And I was like, yeah, and all she had to do. And I did it. And he, like, I saw him, like, her white. And I said, what's wrong with you? He goes, oh, she's my girlfriend. So he called her out there. And he said to her, he said, didn't I tell you not to fuck with people in the locker room? And I said, listen, just because you suck a wrestler's dick and swallow their jizz doesn't make you a wrestler. Okay. You have to work hard at it like the rest of us do. Not all of us are great wrestlers. <laughs> I know I'm not. But we bring something else to the table. So whatever it is you're bringing, find it. But be more respectful in the locker room. She was rude to Malaya Hosaka. Malaya Hosaka was one of the ladies of LPW, which is Ladies Pro Wrestling. That was a league. And she was rude to her. She was rude to the veterans. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Bro? So I said to him, I said, you better smarten her up to the business. Lo and behold, now she's married CM Punk. But I did a, a po- I did a podcast with somebody, and I was talking about her. And they're like, why don't you like her? And I said, she was very rude. Very... And people were like, oh, look at AJ Lee and look at Amy Lee. She's jealous. She's fat. She's this. She that. One, I didn't say the girl was ugly. Two, all I said is that she was fucking greener than baby puke. Number three, she fucking was dumb to the fucking business. And number four, just because you suck a wrestler's dick and swallow, does, their jizz doesn't make you a wrestler. I, I think they're all facts right there. So people, oh, I had people tweet me, you're a jealous fat pig, you're a fucking con, all this. And I was just like, keep, keep doing it, keep doing it. I'm getting, but I got more podcasts after that bullshit I said, which I think is on YouTube somewhere. And I was like, all I said was like, fucking learn the business, motherfucker. But I'm jealous. No, I'm not jealous. I don't give a fuck. Because, you know, from what I hear is she had a bad neck. She had some health issues. She wrote a book on her very, very short career. And... I think she's returning to the ring now, so I guess she's broke. She's returning to the ring. So I'm like, whatever. God bless you, because I moved on. You know what I'm saying? I got a pension, annuity, and medical and life insurance. So I think I'm doing pretty good. So <laughs> whatever. And I'm still a bitch. But you know what? You, <laughs> oh, you know what? You got shit, motherfucking teeth. Oh, so fuck you. Go get your teeth fixed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver, bitch. Oh, so there. I set the record straight on that. So for all the people who wonder why, it's not that I personally hate her. I didn't like her behavior in the locker room. It was atrocious. And if anything, if you're hanging out with people like a Jay Lethal, who is highly respected, see why he's highly respected. Learn the fucking business. It's because he's a gentleman and he's respectful to everyone. She didn't shake anyone's hand. She moved shit, unplugged shit. She thought she was, she thought she was a cat's meow. She was more like the cat's litter box. Oh, my. So there, I set the record straight on that. <laughs> Well, okay. So there. So, all right. So, I love to uh, end all my podcasts 
um, with this and especially, you know, and I'm sure you have a lot to give off to, you know, a lot of the, the students and amateur and, you know, inspiring wrestlers. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, subscribers here that they're looking to get into the business. I hear stuff like they want to train at H2O or if they live across our friend Sky that listens in a lot uh, in, in the UK. She just started training and she loves hearing you know advice so like what's a piece of advice that you would give these you know up and coming you know or new to get into the business uh for, to become a wrestler one you're not entitled to jack shit two you earn everything you have to earn respect to get respect you have to earn your spot that when you have earned your spot, you have to earn to keep that spot. You have to earn the right to bring value. And when I say the right to bring value is when you earn your spot, it is your responsibility to learn about the business, the psychology, not just the moves, but the psychology. Learn KYC, know your crowd, okay? You have to know your crowd. You have to earn everything. It's not given to you. And ladies, just because you're fucking one of the boys doesn't mean you're going to get booked on a show. That motherfucker can promise you to sun, moon, and stars, but unless he's the fucking headliner like a Roman Reigns who's bringing in millions of dollars, you ain't getting shack shit. Don't shit where you eat. Keep it friendly. Keep it on a business level. Do not shit where you eat. Just worry about training. Worry about you. Don't worry about anybody else and respect those that give you an opportunity and respect those that share knowledge. You don't have to agree with them, but respect the fact they took the time out because they don't have to do shit for you. Nobody has to do anything. I busted my ass for everything. I earned my spots. I carry. They threw more shit at me. Go make the popcorn. Go sweep the floors. Go set up the chairs. Go take the ring up. Go take the ring down. You're buying the beers tonight. You're sitting here with all the legends. You're buying the beers tonight. I got a $50 payday, and they got a $75 beer tab. That's the price. They fed my mind. I feed their body. So, you know, nobody's entitled to anything. I don't give a fuck how much money you have. I don't care. And, and please, don't ever say... Well, I have the right because I paid. No, what you paid for was to learn the moves. You didn't pay for your spot. Now, you want to pay for your spot? Then you promote the show. You put out all the money for the show. But that tells me you're weak, you're lazy, and you have no self-respect. Look at all these guys that go over to Japan. Back in the day, when somebody flew you somewhere, that meant that they believed in you and you were an asset to their company. Now... Motherfuckers are flying themselves to Japan and sleeping on the streets just to get a spot on the show. Oh. And, and meanwhile, they come back and they're homeless and they have no car insurance or car or, or, or even they don't even have money for ramen noodles. So let's 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 learn the business. Let's learn psychology of the business. And always feel free. You can find me on Facebook at Amy Lee Murray or on Instagram, Miss Amy Lee 869, Twitter, Miss Amy Lee 869, and we can always chat. I'm always open to talking to people. I'm even, like, I'm so bougie these days. I'm even on TikTok. As Ooh. I, do, I do do TikTok. I, I love only it. do them on my dog, though. My dog. My dog. Law. The dogs dog. and stars. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, seriously, it, 
you're paying to learn how to do moves. You're not paying for your spot. You have to earn that. Yeah. If your promoter tells you, oh, and that's another thing. When Matthew trained with me, the first, I'm going to say, at least nine weeks easily, all he did was bump. Then after that, I let him touch the ropes and run. And he did the ropes. That was another three, four weeks. Yeah. And then from there, I taught him how to bump. Because if you can't, I taught him how to bump off the ropes. If you can't bump, you can't wrestle. You have to be able to bump and you have to be able to protect yourself. And I taught Matthew that. And he teaches people that. I teach people how to use, you take your, you take your negativity. Like for me, my weight, everybody thinks is negative. Me, nah, I love my curves and swerves. I used it to my advantage uh, because what you do is you take advantage of you take your negative and turn it to a positive. So if you're overweight, you do power moves that complement your size with your strength. So you take a negative and you always turn it into a positive. I love so. that. I definitely. <laughs> uh, no, I love that. It's just like amazing. It's the truth. Look yeah. at Dusty Rose. He had a list. He was fat. He had a lazy eye and he had a bleach blonde bad frizzy perm. Motherfucker is an icon to this day. <laughs> to this day, I rest his big ass soul. That motherfucker, baby. He had a lisp and he's over like Roba. He's over like Roba, baby. I actually did a little little, little uh, sidekick of him one time. I was Busty Rhodes for WEW. That's like the hippie song with Listen. I was like, baby, I'm the American Wet Dream, Busty Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> He was like, you fucker. <laughs> but he popped for it. That was a compliment, Aww, you know? No, that's great. <laughs> that part is, I think his titties were bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> that's great. That's God rest his soul. <laughs> Aww, I love it. I, I, that's great. That's great. Thank you, like, so much Thank for sharing you. some stories with us. Thank you, everybody, in the chat. Very with the little bit of technical issues that we had. We made it through. Amy, you're amazing. Like... You know, it's, it's, God it's... bless you. You're so sweet. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> like shut that fucking bitch up. No. <laughs> now you know what my husband's been through for 21 fucking years. <laughs> too funny, too funny. Guys, give Amy a follow. All her links are in the description below as well. And I'm like again, I I can't thank you enough, guys. Also, like make sure this weekend's a big weekend for Matt as well. Yes. You support, know, support, support, support your indies. Yes, and support the indies, man. And like that's that's where it's at and go have fun be loud and you know remember indies is like your underwear it's the first line of defense of pro wrestling that's a great way to put it so. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> see some of them underwears in the locker room well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little crusty Never but mind. you know like <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, th thank you guys for tuning in, hanging out with us tonight. Amy, you're the best. Um, thank you, Tiffany. Of course. When you all see my son on Sunday, give him big hugs from me. Oh, I definitely will. I'll be there all. Uh, I'll be there all weekend. So nice. be great, guys. Definitely tune into that on IWTV if you can't go. Tickets are still available for that as well. So, guys, as I always end off on this podcast, stay safe, support independent wrestling, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night. <laughs>